0: UK is just two weeks away. Are you ready to join 30,000 attendees, 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries and see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arday, Laura Carner, Baroness Luella Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr. PICT and so much more. I might need to bring my trainers. The best part educators go free get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor registration
1: this show is brought to you in partnership with john Cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases use the code jcttr 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today.
2: Happy reading.
0: Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit EtonX.com to find out more.
3: Hello everybody and welcome to TTR this lovely uh, Monday evening. Um, we've got a wonderful show for you coming up all about school interview days. And the big question we're asking this evening is... What would you add or what would you take away from the school interview day process? Um, Now, we're going to run through all the classics this evening. Um, The classics like um, the interview lesson, the interview panel, the student panel, the data task or task during the uh, interview. Uh, The issue of internal candidates, Um, the the issue of meeting other candidates when you don't really want to. Um, We're going to hopefully explore all of those this evening in terms of what we would add or what we would take away from school interview days. And are school interview days archaic in their current form? That might be another question I'm going to ask people this evening is, no. are we moving to a point where in other industries outside of teaching, interview days are much shorter, much more succinct, um, much more effective? or are school interview days the way they are because they need to be the way they are? Um, these are all questions we're gonna gonna explore tonight. And um, the reason I wanted to do this show is because I sometimes get frustrated with um, I guess the way the profession, Um, goes about things in a way that might be disconnected from um, the outside world you know you think about even even outside of interview days you think about the application process for jobs you think about the the lead up to getting an actual job and the way that part of things is is put together it's sometimes interesting to look at it and say well is this modern is this progressive is this what all the you know the top companies in the world are doing or are you know schools stuck in a vortex certainly it's something worth asking and worth exploring in in my opinion so tonight I've got hopefully um, if we can connect them all um, we've got Kenneth who is a maths and uh, tech teacher uh, which is great Uh, we've got Stephen uh, who is a lead practitioner in computing and careers and hopefully we've got dr jill berry who is a novelist writer consultant and former school leader so hopefully we've got some very interesting panelists to discuss all of these things with um, just before we kick off um it would be a really good time for me to mention that this show is brought to you live and direct by the good people at John Cat Educational, who support all of our shows here at Teachers Talk Radio. They publish professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. If you visit the John Cat website, which is johncattbookshop.com, if you like reading, if you like your professional development, then you can visit their website and you can get 20% off anything on their website by using the code TTR 2324 That's jctr 2324 Two, four, uh and you just visit the john cat bookshop at johncatbookshop.com and you can explore the full range of titles uh, i'm just gonna uh, hopefully say hi to some guests um jill are you there first off if you want to unmute I am? I am you Hello? Can
4: hear me?
3: i can hear you loud and clear how are you this evening excellent good stuff uh, excellent good news um and we'll check we've got kenneth here kenneth are you there uh, certainly, I'm Tom. Can you hear me loud and clear? Excellent. Can hear you absolutely loud and clear. I'm not Good. sure we've um, connected Stephen yet, but hopefully we can we can connect him up um, as well. So um, I'll start with with you two then. Uh, my my big overarching question was, what would you add or take away from school interview days? Uh, Jill, can I start with you on this? What's the first thing that came to your I- mind?
4: Well, thinking about it, Tom, I've I've been involved in a lot of interviews. I've had a lot of interviews in my 30 year career um, and I've been involved in interviewing other people. And I think the most important thing we need to take away is the fear. Mm. We have to find ways of making the process as humane as possible so that we enable people to shine and show what they can do rather than trying to catch them out. And make the process more difficult for them, so thinking about how we can make interview days interviewee friendly rather than just seeing them from the point of view of the the selection panel, is that helpful?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and hopefully we can we can sort of explore in this in this show what sort of things that might involve sort of adding or taking away, but completely agree that fear is a massive factor. Um, Somebody actually tweeted, um, I'll read you this. Somebody said, I once had, this is Jen Addy tweeted this. I once had an interview where I was given the questions 15 minutes before the interview and was able to make notes. It was really helpful and I felt I was able to give better, more thorough answers. Do you sort of buy
4: into that, Jill? That sort of approach? I do. It was one of the things I was thinking of. So giving people more information about what will be expected from them It doesn't mean that they will be over-rehearsed and over-prepared and just trotting out what they think is the right answer. It just means they will go into it with a better sense of how they can show themselves as positively as possible. So the most positive face, not a false face. And I think that's one thing that we ought to be prepared to consider. Do
3: you think the flip side to that might be that people would people would, even within 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever, do you think the flip side might be that you'd get maybe more scripted answers or something? I don't know. I'm trying to think what the the devil's advocate to that approach might be.
4: I think you'd get more thoughtful answers, but I think that's a good thing. And I'm sure most people recognize that an interview is a two-way process. This is about you finding whether it's a fit for you, as well as them finding out whether you are in alignment with them. And it's in nobody's best interest to try and give the right answer and talk yourself into a job which isn't the right job for you. And you're not the right person for them. So I will often say, Tom, Mm. not getting a job is not the worst thing that can happen to you. But getting the wrong job could be. So it doesn't want to be artificial and scripted and false. It does want to be thoughtful and reflective and honest. And that's in everyone's best interest.
3: Yeah that's that's brilliant and to be fair you know that's not something that i often think and i'm sure a lot of people often think is what you've just said about getting the wrong job it's almost like the duty of the it's the duty of the process to give you give you and the employer the best possible shot of avoiding anything that that is going to cause pain further down the line you know yeah, and definitely. that's where that yeah and that's where like you say, even just little tweaks like the interview questions and sort of sharing those or whatever it is, you know, anything you can do to help you as a candidate and also as the employer to get a better picture of whether that person is the right fit or not, I think is yes. personally, I think that's a good thing. Um, I'll come back to you, Jill. I've got so many more things to sort of ask you as we go through. Um, Kenneth, can I ask you the overarching question? Um What would you
2: add or what would you take away from the interview process? Yeah, of course, and and I think I agree with a lot of what Jill is saying. One of the things that I wrote down in my notes before coming on was, was this idea of giving candidates preparation time. But, uh, and and again, I've been on both sides, I've prepared for interviews, I've been on the other side of the table, I've sat in on kids interviews, which I know, you know, are kid panels that we're going to talk about later. But uh, I think for me, you know, the the words that I wrote down there from Joe was the ability to shine, Uh, and then I wrote down rather than a performance, and my worry and concern, you know, with giving them too much time is that idea that that, that candidates, and I I include myself in this, you know, what I'm saying and I'm not saying this is a negative thing, but you can huh. script answers. Um, you know, at, of you can put them into broad categories and and script what people want to hear, and that's not the point. Like Jill said, it's a two way mm-hmm. process that people want. I want honesty. I want a genuine um, love of education. I want a genuine love of of maths or technologies. You know, I, I have a responsibility for uh, CDT and computing science as well. I just want to hear an honest um, sort of f- feeling on why they love their job, why they do what they do and, and mm-hmm. how good they are at what they do um, rather than scripted responses and I think that's really important for me as as getting, I don't think there is a perfect system and I don't think, um, you know, I think there's always room for improvement, which is why we're we're here to talk about it. But I, I think we need to get as much honesty and um, genuine um, desire for the job that they are applying for.
3: So you kind of, are you not a fan of given the question, um, in, in general, in general.
2: I, I think in general i would be worried about the amount of time that you give i don't want scripted answers and i worry that if you no. gave them the night before or the day before or the week before I, I would worry that people would just memorize responses and rote learn what you want to hear um but at the same time I, I think, and I've sat and, and been, I, I think myself as a, an okay talker, but I've been to places where there, have, there are interviewed people who are brilliant, 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 brilliant teachers, but don't do well in interview because they find that pressure really, really difficult. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I wonder as well, and I'll ask this later on, is, you know, why, why a teacher interview so long mm-hmm. and so extensive? You know, compared to a lot of other industries, you know they are very sort of exhaustive in terms of, you know, the the, the hoops. And you imagine some of these interviews are like two or three days. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's crazy. You know. Um, and that, that the, the anyways,
2: expectation yeah, to go. talk at length I mean I, I don't know if you can tell from the accent I'm from the dulcet dulcet uh, north of Scotland um, but you know it's um it's an expectation up here or not seen as an expectation but it's certainly something that when you're doing interviews that you'll be asked a question and you'll be asked to talk for around about five minutes you know for, for a traditional panel interview with head teachers and other people you know maybe not so much the the kids and the panels with them but why 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 are we talking for five five minutes or why are we aiming to talk for five minutes why are we not just having a conversation and and pulling out some genuine skills qualities you know um out of that instead
3: Mm, mm, absolutely um i'll bring steven in next Stephen, are you there i am um how are you tom wonderful not too bad and yourself yeah very good thank you excellent can i ask you the overarching question what would you add or take away from school interview days and um, so
1: um, my, my tweet when you, when you were asking last week uh, was that I would get rid of the pupil panel. And um, so I, I, I think for yeah. me, um, sometimes um, I think teacher interviews are quite often linked towards extroverts and um, particularly people who are very quick uh, at thinking on their feet. And um, actually, I think that there are a broad range of professionals who maybe don't necessarily thrive in that sort of environment, but. Uh, have a lot to offer to students in the classroom. So I think actually being mindful of, for example, if you've got a teacher who is someone who suffers from anxiety, actually that tell me an answer now, and actually they're overthinking after three seconds of thinking time. Oh, I've got I've got speaks uh, right now, and um, actually sometimes it can go you know it, it can rule out certain people who have a lot to offer. And um, in terms of the pupil panel, I think my my experiences of them. And um, so, I, I, you know, I've got I've got to admit at this stage, I don't think I've ever actually been offered a job where there has been a pupil panel. And um, so that might be <laughs> part of the reason for my hatred for them. Um, however, um, you know, actually, the, the wide range of experience that I've had in them. So I've had the um, what's your favourite joke question, uh, which, as you know, someone who's gone preparing for an interview day has gone in with quite a lot of serious information in my head. Uh, being hit with that was a bit of a curveball the first time I came across that. I think that was my first pupil panel. Um, what sort of superhero I'm most like and why. Oh, God. Um, but but also I've had the opposite extreme um, of they've basically been given the same sort of questions you'd expect to receive from the head teacher and questions such as what would you do to improve attainment across the school and trying to convey that information, which, you know, quite a lot of it is actually processes that the students maybe are less aware of, yeah. uh, processes that maybe don't want to be aware of actually higher expectations of them. And, um, you know, that, that you know, they are improved outcomes is a great thing for them but actually the processes that you go through to get there may be not so um not so enjoyable for them potentially um, but yeah you know i i think having had the both extremes of a completely ridiculous interview where actually i just found it such a curveball i really struggled on to well actually the head teacher in the room observing this pupil panel actually why is this not questions being asked by the head teacher
3: Mm, yeah no absolutely like i think i've only been part of one interview that's involved a proper student panel as as people are describing it you know i've been on a few where there's been tours which is sort of like that because the students are asking you questions while you're going around the tour um but in terms of that idea where the students are on a panel and you go in it's like an interview with students i've I've only ever had that once Mm -hmm. um I don't really know what my view is. Like I, I I agree with everything you just said, though. Um, Everything you just said makes sense to me. Like perfect sense. Um, Jill, I wonder whether you, Oh, just before I bring in Jill again, um, big shout out to Christian is listening. Christian, you gave a massive shout out to TTR the other day and and my show. So, um thanks for joining in thanks for listening thanks for um, sharing that with with your friends um that was much appreciated a really nice surprise the other day um jill is there anything you have in terms of view on student panels
4: it's not something we made a lot of use of in the school where i was ahead um but obviously anyone applying for a teaching position did do some teaching and you need to see how people are in terms of their relationship with students you need to see whether there is warmth and connection mm, yeah. and commitment you but don't have you do to that do that in that the interview you, um,
3: lesson wouldn't that be the interview I, lesson
4: I, that's what i'm saying i think if if they're teaching you have the opportunity to see that and if you can see that and and also there may be other opportunities during the day when they're inter interacting with pupils so I'm not sure that you need to do a pupil panel. When I was involved in pupil panels myself, I quite enjoyed it. I quite liked talking to students and listening to yeah. them um, and, and building relationships, even within a, a constrained interview situation. But I accept Stephen's point and, and there can be some ridiculous questions. Um, so it's, it, but it is about relationships. I mean, teaching and leading in schools is all about relationships. If, um, At the beginning of the formal panel interview, which we always had at the end of the day, I would always ask each candidate to tell me how their lesson went. um, Whether if they had to do the same lesson the following day with the same group of pupils on the same topic, they would do anything differently. And it was always interesting to hear their reflections about their lesson. I wanted to hear that they had enjoyed it. But I also wanted to hear that they were self-aware and recognised that actually knowing that class, maybe if they did the lesson again, they would do certain things differently. And I hope they'd have the confidence to admit that. But that's the whole point of putting them in a situation with pupils is to look at their capacity to build relationships, to communicate, to show warmth and humanity, perhaps humour. Um, you want them to be themselves no. as far as possible.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to. I guess you want to you want to see how natural they can be and, and the sort of connectivity they might have in in those sort of contexts, I think. And, you know, I've never been a head teacher so I've never been sort of in that position. But that, that's what I would imagine those situations are, are there for. You know, um, I mean, um, Kenneth, have you, have you got a view on the whole student panel thing?
2: Yeah um, I, I mean I think for me the the important thing is at some point and we we talk a lot about uh pupil panel being an option we talk about observations being an option we talk about walk rounds which in my experience isn't really as um it's is not really happening as much post covid as as we used to but for, for me, it's, it's exactly what we we're talking about. Giving the kids the opportunity to speak to the candidates is really powerful, giving them a choice and a voice and and, and an opinion. But of course, the, the pupils aren't going to know about the, the nuances of the skills and qualities which make an effective teacher or an effective leader or you know an effective candidate or, or whatever we're interviewing for. But it's that human element of teaching. It's that we they are our customers, if you like, for lack of a better term. You, we need to talk to these learners uh, on a daily basis you know we talk to kids probably more than we talk to the adults around us on a daily basis so I I think it's really important that people get the opportunity to see candidates um you know talking to to the kids you know I I don't know how others have worked it whether it's been facilitated by staff members so that it's not just you know the participant and the kids I've always sort of sat on the side and you do pick up a lot of those softer skills that The kids maybe aren't, um, the kids aren't really getting a hold of. But at the same time, I find, in my experience, candidates are much more relaxed with young people than they are with, with, you know, senior leadership, head teachers, that kind of idea.
3: Jill, I want to ask you, with your former school leader sort of hat on, were the candidates where you were like, after the interview, this person's amazing, and then the lesson sort of fell down or, or the or the student panel fell down or another element fell down and it was like chalk and cheese.
4: Not or often. Not often that uh, yeah. I mean, usually I think that there was a degree of a degree of consistency. But the lesson was really important. If they'd done well in some areas, but actually the lesson had not been successful. I would be very reluctant to employ someone in a teaching capacity. I I think everybody's nervous at interview and there's nothing wrong with that. It's part and parcel of wanting to do well, of wanting the job. You have to be able to see through the nervousness to their capacity to do the job. Um, If I can give an example, I remember once interviewing a biology teacher it was it was a temporary contract sadly my head of biology was unwell and we were looking for someone to fill in and the mm. woman who we interviewed was one of the women was was very nervous she was incredibly nervous she said she hadn't had an interview for a long time and she was and she wanted the job very badly she didn't interview terribly well but when she started to talk about teaching teaching biology and actually working with pupils honestly she lit up her eyes her everything and I thought this is someone I want to put before the students in my school and when I rang to offer the job she said I'm so pleased but I'm surprised because I didn't I didn't think I interviewed well and I said to be completely honest you didn't interview well but when you talked about teaching you came alive and if interview panels can't see through the nervousness to the potential and the capacity that someone has they're not doing their job so it's just about And it's looking for the positives, not trying to trick people up, not trying to Mm. put them under pressure to see how they cope with pressure. That isn't necessary, but you do need to be astute. You do need to have insight and you need to be clear about what's important, what matters most. And what matters most to a teaching job is how they will connect and get through to students and care about the students and be committed to supporting the students to be their best. If it's a leadership role, they also need to demonstrate that they can do that with colleagues. Those are the things that matter most, in my view. And we have to think, how can we structure the day so that we are able to see what potential this person has? Is that helpful, Tom?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Stephen, out, out of interest, because you know people who are just joining us, Stephen was saying that he would take away the, the sort of student panel element in in an ideal world from an interview day. What would you replace that with? Or would you literally just go interview, or would you just be having your interview lesson as the sort of thing where you see them around the kids and stuff? I think so. Th- there are lots of different things that involved in an interview day.
1: Um, so for me, actually, that how they engage with students in the classroom is obviously evident from your interview lesson. Um, quite often you are given that tour of the school and I think actually that opportunity to go around with a small group of students talking to them about, you know, what do you like about the school, uh, things that they would want to develop in the school, actually your ideas coming into the role etc, actually that sort of informal walking around that natural conversation. I think we were talking before about actually how an interview can come across as being, you know, scripted answers, very long answers, whereas actually having a nice conversation can actually be the better way of drawing out information from people. And I think the same is true in terms of how people get along with students. Actually, if you've got, you know, two students showing a candidate round of you know, if you're herding around all your candidates, so you've got six or eight candidates, or however many you've got, uh, who are all walking around the site together, obviously that's very difficult. But if you've got a small group of students with one candidate, for example, and actually they can have that conversation, then actually get those, um, those student ambassadors, you know, whatever you'd call them in your school and to give a bit of feedback on, you know, what they were like to talk to. students, You know, what they would add to the school, etc. I, I think that's a way of getting it, getting that sort of student input into the process, but without having another sit down round table sort of
3: interview. Yeah. You missed what I said. I said student spies. It's like yeah. sent, sent off to, to spy, find out <laughs> info. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I totally absolutely makes sense. Um, I just wonder, like, did you say that you've had those student panel experiences and interviews that you've gone for? Yeah. Um, and you sort of mentioned why they went wrong. I mean, can you sort of expand on that a little bit, just in terms of what what exactly was it that you really didn't like? Um, so
1: I, I I think it's just that variance. So, you know, the, the the way that I work, the way that I prepare for interviews... And, um, you know, I I do very rigorously prepare for interview. And actually, you, you know, when you get through uh, a schedule for the day, actually, that's the one thing that it's really hard to kind of prepare your thoughts on. And um, so, you know, actually, you prepare for your interview. You know, what sort of questions are likely to come up? What sort of experience do I need to have in mind here? Are you obviously prepared for your lesson or any presentation that you need to do? Actually, it's just the the wild variety in the questions that you get in a student panel. And, you know, I'm, I'm there looking up the night before. oh, I just need to remind myself of my favourite jokes in case I get hit with that one again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, the, the, those sort of things. Actually, you know, you, you don't want to be in a situation where your mind goes completely blank. I think that's that's painful when you're in your interview with the head teacher or senior leader, et cetera. Um, but actually, you know, within the student panel, if you just can't think of something, actually, that is, you know, it, 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 it makes the conversation very difficult.
3: I think Stephen is that me dropping or is that Stephen dropping I'm not sure um but yeah no I got I got the gist of what um Stephen was saying um Jill I'll I'll go on to you or back to you um in terms of sort of the the tasks you know like some interviews have tasks in them did 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 you do all that did you have tasks in your interviews like data tasks like Do create a spreadsheet showing you know the levels of progress on this and this and this. Did you do all that or not?
4: I did do tasks. I never did anything with spreadsheets because I never got the joy of (laughs) spreadsheets myself, Tom. So that that didn't light my fire. Um, Mm. Particularly for leadership roles, I was quite interested in how they could demonstrate quick thinking and good judgment in the moment. So one of the things I quite liked to do um, with, for example, senior leadership roles was to give the candidates a number of potential emails. You, know, you go back to your office after break or after teaching and you see a number of quite difficult emails that have all arrived at the same time. So how do you prioritise them? What do you delegate? What do you leave? Where do you send holding emails? And I think it's interesting to do something like that as a group. So, if you've got four candidates, they've all had the same emails. They've had time to think about it, work out a priority order, and then get them to discuss it together. And I would observe, and that I found really interesting, because wow. you're looking at their offended. judgment. Kil, sounds... Do you want to go on at the <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. I, well, I wouldn't say you're fired at the end. I might say you know you're hired. Um, and also, but, where's the option actually... to
3: burn? Where's the option to burn the computer if there's like ten emails <laughs> and you just don't want to? Can we can we literally get a match and burn the computer? Is that one of the options we have?
4: It's not the most constructive response, Tom. I wouldn't have employed you if you would suggested that. Um, but it, you're, also looking, you're looking at how they interact with one another. And I can remember, I talked about this recently, one candidate in an interview, having said what she thought, listened to the others and then said, actually, having listened to everybody else, I think I'd like to change my mind. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. Oh, no. I it's real strength. Up, Jill.
3: I see that no, she wasn't.
4: No, 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 She wasn't. What she was saying was that she'd listen and reflected and rethought. And it's very, very courageous to say that in an interview because most people think yeah. I've got to stick to my line. I've got to show that I won't be swayed. And she was confident enough to say, actually, I think in retrospect, I would. I would change my direction here because making a U-turn is a strength, not a weakness. Tom, having the courage to admit, okay, maybe I need to rethink that. I'm impressed with that. So, so that was the kind of task that I quite like to do. I would never give them a spreadsheet task or a data task because I don't think those are the key skills you're looking for. I think you're looking for communication, you're looking for relationships, you're looking for integrity, you're looking for judgment. To, to me. Those are the things that trump your ability to crunch data. You can learn crunching data. You can learn how to use spreadsheets. But do you have the, the personal qualities, the strength of character to be able to solve problems, to stay calm, to communicate clearly even when you're under pressure? That's what the tasks, I think, need to establish.
3: Do you know what? I just love this, Jill. I I've I got this just this vision of you as um thingy on the traitors with like the black cloak on, like in the room. So I don't know if you've seen that programme. Um sort of and, saying, and
4: Claudia models herself on me, Tom. Claudia, I've That's
3: Claudia. I just have this vision. And you're like one of you is a traitor, you're the internal candidate. The rest of you have a chance at this job. <laughs>
4: You watch no. too much television, Tom, I
3: think. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, uh, Kenneth, tasks, do you have any creative tasks or any tasks that you've done on an interview where you thought, I once got a task, right? Which was uh, to plant, so my um, interview lesson on a job I went for wasn't given to me in advance. So I knew I had to teach a lesson, but I didn't know what the lesson was about. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I turned up. And I did the, in- oh no, actually, the interview part wasn't first. I literally walked in and they were like, you've got 20 minutes to plan this lesson. There's a computer and then you're going to deliver it. Can you imagine that?
2: <laughs> yeah, that,
3: that that
2: just sounds crazy. I mean, I, I am a fan of a uh, maths teacher, uh, fan of data, you know, fan of number crunching, fan of all these things in terms of, but for leadership roles, you know, I, I do think it's really, really important that all teachers engage in the story of the numbers of their department. You know, as a principal teacher, I, I think it's my job to, to put forward the vision and values of my department and my faculty. But at the same time, I can't just be the keeper of all the the attainment. And yeah, there is um, something to be said for we're not just getting kids through exams. And I agree with that. We have to make them be, you know, the leaders of tomorrow and and all, you know, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, a lot of what we do is based on, you know, getting the best out of our young people. And we can tell that through the, the numbers. So for me, I think all teachers should be engaging in that. But I, I really do think that that's not something for a classroom teacher role. Um, because you know, they, they would or should definitely be supported by their principal teachers in terms of that number crunch. And so I, I would never ask a classroom teacher no. to, to, to number crunch uh, or to create spreadsheets. So but I know the- that for a classroom teacher level role, but I mean, leadership, Maybe had a department or a board. I think that's it. It's it's showing that strategic leadership. It's showing that idea. The the classic one that that I have seen and used and, and had done to me in the past as well is you know giving them a set of of data. You know last year's attainment results or or a historical pattern of the last four or five years. um And and you know looking at the short medium and long-term goals you know i completely agree with jill in terms of thinking on your feet as you would have probably said there tom with with regards to that lesson you know that's that's one of the things they're probably trying to look at there but at the same time we need to have you know staff members who are leaders especially who are not just looking a day or a week in advance they've got to have what do i prioritize in terms of my short-term goals that's a quick win easy fix i get that done middle you know leadership you know or middle sorry medium goals what can i do this year and then that kind of Olympic cycle, what can I do in the next three to four years, what's the long term goal um, to to spin round some of the numbers um, Yeah, you'd expect that from a each teacher though Yeah no absolutely
3: um, I just want to give a shout out to people listening along, we've had lots of people dipping in and out um, this evening, um, Nori's just popped in, we've got uh, Mr Das who's always a listener on TTR thank you Mr Das for um, always tuning in, we really appreciate that Um, We've got Hannah, we've got Catherine, we've got Leanne, we've got Miss Bashir, we've got uh, Mrs. Zygmunt, we've got Sammy, uh, we've got Joanna, Liam, Andrew and lots of other people. Um, If you want to call in, I would really appreciate if you click the little button on the bottom left, you can join us. Uh, We've got three on the panel, which is Jill, Kenneth and Stephen. But if you want to join in and share what you would add or take away from an interview day then please feel free to do so. You can just click the little bu- button on the bottom left-hand side, the little microphone icon, and you can get involved in the conversation. As always, uh, our show this evening is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. If you haven't already, you can check out all their latest releases at johncatbookshop.com, and you can use the code TTR 2324 to get 20% off any book order at the John Cat website so if you're interested in professional development and reading uh, cash in with your teachers talk radio discount using the code jcttr2324 and Noreen's called in Noreen good evening
5: hi hi, Tom hi everyone
3: hello I'm not too
5: bad thank you so
3: excellent so tell me what would you add Uh, or take away from the interview I I
5: requested the mic in order to ask a question actually
3: (laughs) Oh, here, here we go. Is this a task, though, Norrin? Is this part of Jill Barry's uh, interview task?
5: Well, no, I. So, has
3: she spoke to you? Has she spoken to you before this? Um
5: I don't think we've spoken on the interviews, actually. <laughs> but yes, it's, no, it's a question for for Jill. Um, <laughs> no. As as people know that, um, you may know that for head teachers, the interviews are conducted by panels of governors. Now, Jill has been a head. Um, I'd like to ask Jill what would she recommend that we as governors either take away or add to uh, head teacher interviews please.
3: Oh that's good. Jill.
4: Hi Noreen it's good to connect with you even even (laughs) only virtually not seeing you for ages thank you for your question Um, and I have enjoyed interacting with governors both on interview panels when I was ahead I had four interviews for headship but I got the fourth. but also involving governors on interview panels for senior staff in my own school when I was ahead because they have brilliant objective insights and I think it I think it's good for the school to see governors actually involved in the the process of selecting leaders in our schools Um, I think again, it's about relationships. You know, when you're looking at at headship, you will be working so closely with these governors or trustees. And I think you're looking for some kind of alignment, for some consistency in terms of vision and values. At the same time, there needs to be mutual support and mutual challenge in order for it to be good for the school. There needs to be some complementarity of skills and temperament so that you're not just appointing in your own image and you're bringing in a diversity of expertise and skills and strengths and insights. So an underpinning ethos that you you all have a, a consistent educational philosophy. You believe in the same kinds of priorities, but actually you're all coming at it with different skills and strengths and you bring different things to the table. That's what I would hope for from governors if I were going into a headship interview.
5: Thank thank you, Jill. <clears throat> that that's a really important point which you've touched upon about um uh, uh vision and values and ethos. Um, if if they aren't aligned, if the executive leaders and the non-executive leadership aren't aligned in the vision and values, then it won't work. Hmm. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. No, it's really good. Um yeah, no, it's a really good point. Thanks, Nori. And if you've got to feel free to stick around if you have anything else that you, you want to sort of interject with or add. Um, Stephen, I, I just want to come to you next and then maybe Kenneth and then back to Jill. Um, on this issue of... it's. I wanted to ask you about interview questions next. Um, now, obviously, I'm putting you on the spot here, so feel free to sort of think about it. But the question I was going to ask you was your favourite interview question or... You know one of your favorites and your least favorite interview question, and potentially your curveball question, which may actually be a good or bad question, but good question bad question curveball question uh Stephen, I don't know whether you've got anything on any of those three like a, a question you hate I have not-
1: i i think there's there's often the um the question that you get asked of the where do you see yourself in five years time um i i did see a tweet that made me chuckle the other day uh, which was someone that that put um when you ask that question um mate i'm a millennial i don't know where i'm going to be tomorrow um i did quite like that sort of um humorous response um but yeah you know that, that one of um, you know what? What are they looking for here? Are they looking for someone who's going to be content in this role? And uh, maybe the school doesn't think that there's going to be any development opportunities. Or you know, like if, you, if you're interviewing for a teacher role, actually, is that going to upset someone if you say that I want to be the head of department? And um, you know, actually, it's the uh, trying to work out what the right answer is there. Uh, it's, it's sometimes a little bit challenging. Um, but yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I think much. it's good to know. You know, is, is this member of staff wanting to get a certain amounts of development? And if there are opportunities internally great they can go for them is the school happy to train up people who are then going to lead in other places etc i think that probably reveals a little bit about the ethos of the school yeah and you know their response to the, that sort of answer but i think i think from the candidate side of things it can
3: be quite challenging to know what what they're looking for on that one would you stephen do the you know the bit at the end where they say and have you got any questions for us do you do you always have one or do you say no i don't think i have
1: And um, so for my current role and um, so uh, I, I've been asked a really good question during the interview itself. So they, they'd given me a, a tour of the school and they said to me, um, we, we were looking for a leader in the school. So it, it's for my lead practitioner role, yeah. um, this interview. And so th- th- they said, we're, we're looking for leaders who've got a good attention to detail. Can you give us your appraisal of the strengths and weaknesses of this school? Um, and I thought that was a really good question. I mean, you know, <laughs> quite on the spot up question, but, you know, I, I really liked the question. And so, I, you know, I gave my answer. Yeah. And I think on that one, um, we got to the end of the interview and they said to me, have you got any questions for us? And I said, I'm going to ask you the same. What are the strengths and weaknesses of your school? And, um, you know, so actually, I, th- I thought, you know, being able to have that conversation both ways, actually, is what I'm seeing aligned with what they're seeing. And, um, you know, I thought that was quite a good process overall. But you've got to, I mean, that's
3: whew, that, that you know, you've got to have confidence there, haven't you, as as the interviewee. You've got to be able to sort of be honest, haven't you, and authentic. It's... You know, for some that might be difficult. I guess to say, you yeah. know, what what tell us what our weaknesses are. Essentially, that's that's brave from both parties, isn't it? It's brave yeah. to ask the question. As well as, we're really good though. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kenneth, what about you? Have you got any um, sort of interview questions that you like
2: or dislike? Yeah, I mean I, I had some thinking time there. So uh, yeah, the lucky one. Yeah. uh going back to Stephen's point there about like the endings, like you have gotta be ballsy to say that. But you know, you know the yeah. classic the classic stuff of you can only lose the job in that time. But it but it is it's it's part of that and we go back to right back to the start about making this really, really um much more of a conversation rather than you know, and, and making it less nerve wracking for the candidates. Um, you know, that that's something that should be promoted I think more that idea of it's a two-way conversation coming you know at us and and I would welcome that from the other side of the table um but having said that being on the the being interviewed you've got to takes some guts to to do that um I I think for me some of my favorite questions are are things that allow me to talk about what I love doing and that is teaching and that is maths you know I do I'm I'm not trying to be you know Mr. Ego, but at the same time a a, a conversation of the skills and qualities or a why you you know why why have you applied for this job in this school um i I think is is a time for a candidate really to to talk about why they love teaching why they love their subject why they've chosen to 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 apply for the school i I genuinely believe you should never apply for a job that you don't actually want don't do it for experience of interview or i'm not going to get this um and going back to the kind of kids, you know, the one of the I've I've had the, the superhero question and I've had the you know the, the the superpower and all that kind of stuff. But one of the one of the questions that I got in the pupil panel of the current job that I'm in was what is your favourite bit of maths to teach Um, and I won't bore you with the stock response but you know, or not the stock response but the response that I gave it was the long response but it allowed me to to be enthusiastic about something that I am passionate about and try and get that across to the kids and I was successful, I don't know if the kids liked me because that is another question that I would have that perhaps we could go on to talk about at some point would be to discuss that idea idea that um just because the kids have had their say and the kids pick their their favorite doesn't necessarily mean that's who the head teacher and the other you know important decision makers appoint um you know I wonder um, and I don't have experience either way you know anything that I've been involved with it's been quite fair but who who does make the final decision you know if you have got multiple different elements to it in terms of my least favorite um, I I was asked once you know what's your biggest weakness and I would say that's probably a curveball as well
3: like I've had that I was going to mention that question actually in a bit so you've ruined it all no tell me tell me why but
2: I, I just think for me, that that is the answer. Where you try and be funny about it, and you go, "Oh, my biggest biggest weakness is working too hard, is caring too much." And blah, blah, blah. if I heard that, I would just be like, "Nah, nonsense." Like...
3: Or or if you if you're Amanda Spielman, you could say, "We should have released our outstanding webinars earlier." You know, that's what we should have done. <laughs> that's the biggest weakness I've got. I, I should have. I should have released our incredible materials earlier. That's- yeah,
2: but but how how do you deal? What 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 as an interviewer, are you wanting to hear? Are you wanting to hear about a person who is honest and says, "Well, my timekeeping is not great, or I'm not great at meeting deadlines," or uh, you know, or are you wanting a stock funny response? To me, that question when yeah. it was asked, it was my least favorite. It was a curveball because I went, "Well, what do you want from me here?
5: What's I know, the
3: answer?" Yeah, um, yeah but well, maybe they want. I get, well. I'll ask. I'll ask Jill and Noreen if Noreen. Noreen, are you still there? I am. It, w- what do you think of that question? It, uh, you must have done a fair few interviews. What's do, do you? What do you think of that one? The weaknesses question. Uh,
5: um.
4: Can you hear me, I, Tom?
3: I can hear both of you, but I was just asking Jill, uh, Noreen to start with if she's still there. You go uh, first, Noreen. So
5: yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm. I mean, uh, it's, it's a personal um, choice, uh, I suppose. But I don't think it's it's that bad a question. It, it no. allows you, for example, a head teacher, um, they might say, and, and we've had that before, that uh, I haven't had that much experience in uh, doing finance. So I would like, if I get the job, I would like... Um, some um, some more training or some more mentoring to look at budgets because at the end of the day they they'll be doing a lot of that but till you become a head teacher, you don't actually run the whole school budget um, so if somebody were to say that to me in an in an interview, uh, I'd say well fair dues and if if appointed, we'll make sure that they get the support they needed
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean this this is sort of what I was saying is. I get what, what um, Ken is saying in the sense that it basically puts the person on the spot, doesn't it? I mean, usually you would think there's probably going to be some sort of question like that. But even when it comes, you're still like, uh, like I've had one where it proper caught me out. I was like, what am I going to say? And um, For some reason, I hadn't prepped for that question at all. I was like, no, oh, whatever. And then it came up and I was just, I was like, what should I say? And then I can't even remember what I said, but I remember thinking afterwards, I shouldn't have said that it was an awful thing don't worry jill it wasn't about having a box of matches and burning down the ict suite um but it was probably not a very good answer um jill jill w- what is your thoughts on this
4: the reason i asked if you could hear me the audio is breaking up at this end which means probably oh, no. my audio is breaking up but anyway i'll i'll Carry on regardless. First of all, I want to talk to you later about your pyromania, Tom, and try and give you some help. Secondly, I think it's a good question because what you're looking for is self-awareness, and I think the the way to answer it is to be honest and say this is something I'm working on, but show that a you're aware of it, b you're doing something about it. And maybe even saying, and this is what I am doing already to try to improve in that area. So it doesn't have to be a bear trap of a question. It's an opportunity to show that you are reflective, you're honest and you're self-aware.
3: Mm-hmm. No, brilliant. Um, no, I like it. I mean, Jill, have you got anything on this whole issue of like favourite questions or you know, questions where you think, oh, I asked that a few times and I didn't really get anywhere with it, so I'll pass on that one.
4: Um, I always remember when I was interviewed for the headship that I got, one of the questions one of the governors asked was, um, what do you think is the worst mistake a new head coming into this school could make? I thought that was a really good question. Um, And I hadn't... <laughs> anticipated it, so I didn't have a prepared answer. But I found myself saying not to listen. This is a good school. You would be taking over from a successful head. If you came in and you didn't listen very carefully to what people were saying about the strengths of the school, as well as the opportunities for development, that would be a terrible mistake. So I like that question. The other question I always recommend people give thought to beforehand, and it's not the where do you see yourself in five years, but it's a similar thing. If we appointed you today, how long do you think you might be here for and why? And I was asked that question for headship. And again, I hadn't really got a thoughtful answer, but I think it's a good question to prepare. How long do you think you would need to commit to the job for and why are you choosing that what is it about that period of time that you think would enable you to achieve what you hope for what the head hopes for what the governors hope for so it's not the number of years you don't even have to say a number of years you could say something like while ever I am still or as long as I or as long as we or as long as you so I think that's a good question um I've been asked some ridiculous questions over the years, but I think thinking about the questions at <laughs> work is, is most useful.
3: Well, do you know what's coming next, Jill and Noreen, um, and Ken and Stephen? Do you know what's coming next? We are going to have a little mock interview. Okay? Because we've got a governor, Noreen. We've got the head teacher, Dr. Jill Berry. And we've got our two candidates,
2: Kenneth. And Stephen, um, Candice and Stephen, are you, are you nervous about this interview? Well, considering that it's the first time that I found out that it's happening, Tom, uh, (laughs) and then yes, I would say yes. Well, Jill
3: is going to decide which one out of you two is going to get the job at the end, um, Um, which I think, (laughs) it's incredibly mean, it's, it's, but it's, it's not mean spirited, it's all in the spirit of, of sort of, um, going through some horrible questions, um, So are you two ready for this? Um, We're only going to do three. So you're going to get three questions. They're going to be the same questions to each of you. And then Jill and her panel of governors, which consists of one governor, Noreen, um, which is not very fair, um, is going to decide who's going to get the job. And if Jill can't decide, she can just give the job to both of you. Um, But I get the feeling Jill will decide who gets the job. Um, Are you both ready? Hit me. (laughs) Okay, um, Stephen, first question, what makes you unique? That's a very good question. Um, so
1: what makes me unique uh, is that um, I have a wide range of interests and, and those collectively um, make me who I am. And so as well as being a computer science teacher, I like making pizza. Um, I occasionally teach a little bit of math, so I like teaching any opportunities <laughs> that I have about um, pizza, related to math <laughs> so fractions are always pizza-related questions, and and yeah, it's that collectively that makes me who I am. Thank you. Kenneth,
2: what makes you unique? Well, um, Tom, that's a very good question. Just give me a second, a second. while I take uh, some water for my thinking time. Classic. No problem, yeah. Oh, that's really good water. Um, I I think uh, what makes me unique is I'm the only person that you're going to offer this job to today um, because of my passion, my drive. I've wanted to be a teacher um, since I was 12. And if you weren't to offer me this job, then you would be killing that dream. So I think that's what makes me unique um, in in applying for this post that I didn't know I was applying for until about 20 seconds ago. Um
3: yeah, I I go around once, Kenneth there, I'm afraid.
2: <laughs> right. Question two,
3: Stephen, and then obviously Kenneth, you get I hope you're taking notes, Noreen and Jill, because this is very important. Possibly, you get all the thinking time. <laughs> this is the most important decision they'll have ever made. Um Stephen, uh, same question again um for you and, and Kenneth. So Stephen first, um what do you love about teaching?
1: Um, For me, I've always worked um, in schools with high levels of disadvantage. And so for me, although it sounds a bit of a cliche, um, I'm all about um, making a difference to students' lives. And so actually getting to know my students, getting to know uh, what barriers they have, getting to know how I can support them. And so along the lines of my career's leader role that I have at the moment, actually getting to know them, getting to know what their aspirations are for the future, um, and then actually helping them move towards that, that goal.
2: And Kenneth. Uh, i think for me it's about making a difference um i went through my um i was heavily influenced by my teachers the knowledge the the thirst for knowledge that i got i, I loved my subject i love maths um, i loved physics um and i think for me what i wanted to do was make a difference by is passing that on to the next generation um and i think that the thing that i now do in my leadership role is making sure that other teachers love their teaching too and, and trying to spread that uh, sort of love for our subjects and love for education um, amongst as many young people in my local area as possible
3: okay and um, we've got two questions left uh oh this is just i mean these are silly ones now gents are you ready yeah um, Stephen, why are manholes round
2: Where are you? What's happened? There is oh. a mathematical response to this.
1: Um, well, as a big science feature, I'm going to Google it uh, and I'll let you know.
2: Kenneth, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why, why Well, round? The, they are round because then the manhole cover will never fall in on itself. If there were any other shape, you would be able to fit, like a square, you would be able to sit diagonally and it would fall into the hole down into the manhole, whereas a circle wouldn't do that. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> I, just, I, I genuinely, believe, I, that. I genuinely believe that's the answer they're, they're round so that they don't fall back into the hole that they, they are covering do
3: you know what um, Kenneth for the last question because I feel unfair on Stephen because he's had to answer that first, is also
2: but... true I think he should have um, yeah uh, advantage so on...
3: the last question is and you obviously are going to answer this one first um, if you were a tree
2: what kind of tree would you be and why oh <laughs> wow i can see how difficult this is going first if i was a tree um by the way everybody joining this is the sort of highbrow chats that we have on teachers Dot radio um i didn't realize it time. was a comedy educational podcast a <laughs> uh, radio show sorry now Go on. Uh, i'm waiting I... for your answer we have limited time uh, Get on with it. I, I would be a Rowan tree because i like fruit pastels oh <laughs> not bad okay. you just chat
3: gpt'd
2: that no, no i genuinely way.
3: haven't I just, you chat just... gpt'd it you're out get out uh... despite knowing the answer to the other silly question steven what tree would you be and
1: why Go on. i would be a horse chestnut tree because i'm sturdy, reliable but also i
3: provide fun with conkers <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um right well it, we need to get serious now because um it's time for the feedback session. Uh, Noreen and Jill, are you still there? I um, don't know whether Jill yeah. can hear anything.
5: but yes, I, I I didn't,
4: mm. it, but I, I got some of it. <laughs> yeah, got, I
3: got, got the, the manhole cover. Um,
4: Noreen is, yeah, got the gist.
3: Yeah, there was some, there was the first two questions were, were reasonably bad. And then we accelerated through to terrible for the last two. But, um, Noreen, is is there anything you would say to the two candidates? And who would you choose? Who would you give the job to?
5: Oh, I think they both excel. So I'll I'll talk to Jill and (laughs) recommend that uh, an extra post be created. (laughs) Because they both complement each other so well that I wouldn't want to lose either of them. Um, Ah,
3: there you go. There you go. Somebody's giving a sympathetic, sad little round of applause because we split the role, nobody's taking it, unless Jill decides that she's overriding the governors, which I'm no, sure she no, would never do. no, I was going
4: to say, Tom, I was going to say exactly the same. I'm a huge fan of flexible working. Flexible working is the way of the future. We need to embrace flexible working if we're going to really address the recruitment and retention crisis. And I would say that Stephen and Kenneth have key complementary skills and strengths And I'm going to suggest a job share so that we can have the brilliance of both of them. And together, the two of them will make more than one successful whole. They will add huge value. So both of them, job share, flexible working. I agree with Noreen.
3: Brilliant. Well, we're all in agreement. Um, uh, Kenneth and Stephen, um, how how do you feel about um, sharing the role? Are Are you okay with that?
2: I'm okay with sharing the role if we both get the same salary.
3: Um,
1: I, I once turned <laughs> up for my first day of the job and found out it was a job share, and I wasn't told that when I was offered. That was, um, that was an interesting one. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I once arrived to my first day on a job, and, and I saw one of the other candidates from the day and I said, Oh, what did they offer you then? And they said, The job that we went for, what about you? It was a bit awkward, I'll be honest with you. Oh, my god. But then, how did the rest of the conversation go then? Um, we had a fairly robust chat with the head teacher that day, I think I,
3: was, <laughs> I can say, but never like, mind.
0: What the <laughs>
2: heck?
3: Jill um, <laughs> and Noreen, have you ever actually done that? And so, I don't mean giving two people the same job, but I mean, have you ever done the interview and at the end been like, we need to try and keep two of the candidates rather than just the one?
5: Yes, we've done that once. Um, again, for the, for the reasons I said before, that um, the, the candidates, it wasn't for a headship role, it was for a role on the SLTT. Um, yeah. both had complementary skills. We didn't want to, um, and we, we thought both would work really well, and we could split the role um, and um, according to their the strengths, which, again, were complementary to each other, so we did do that. And I've done the opposite as well. I've uh, we've uh, we've had a situation where we wanted to appoint a head, and none of the candidates. Uh, we didn't even go to um, the interview stage. We looked at the uh, the application forms, and we didn't shortlist anyone. And I think
0: wow. governors
5: and people need to be um, strong enough to think that. Maybe this none of the applicants are strong enough, and there's no point wasting their time and your time. Um, there might be strong candidates, but they may they were they may not be what you're looking for. So yeah. rather than go through the motions of of inter, uh, of the interviews and you know two day interviews or what have you, it's much better, I think, to to say it right at the start that I'm sorry none of them um uh, ah. you know and and but. But what I'd say is, give really good feedback. Whoever is on the interview, whether it's for heads or SLT or teachers, um, feedback is really important. If you don't get feedback, do ring up and ask because that an interview should be um, should prepare you for your next role. If you don't get it, it should it should still be um, a preparation for the next time you go for an interview. So people yeah. should always give feedback, and if you don't get feedback, do ask for it.
3: Yeah. Um, Jill, I was wondering for you in your sort of head days, whether there were times where you didn't give a, you didn't appoint, I mean, I'm sure there were, um, m- maybe like what Nori was saying, where it's even pre that stage, or, or whether there were times where you were like, we want to appoint everybody and you somehow found a way of doing that.
4: Yeah, and I think a number of things, really. I've certainly um, not gone into the interview process thinking about a job share, but I've come out of it thinking about a job share. I think in both cases, they were internal promotions where we had two fantastic people who I thought would work really well together. And in both cases, they're already employed and they're already on a contract. They wanted the experience and they were very happy to work together to build the experience. Um, I've also not appointed. I would never say no one was strong enough. I would say we haven't found the right fit for what we need. So I, I think, I do say to people, when you go for interview, if you're not appointed, it doesn't mean you couldn't do the job. It doesn't even mean you couldn't do it well. It just means someone else is a better match for what the school needs at this point in its journey. So it's not a failure. It's just a lack of alignment. And I absolutely agree with Noreen. I've written a blog post about this, Tom. If you anyone looks at my blog, jillberry102.blog, I've written a blog post about schools holding interviews, what I think they need to think about. And I said that people put a lot of time and effort and energy and emotional investment into preparing applications to going through the process the least a school can do is give them some constructive useful feedback to help them on their journey so i absolutely agree and i'm very disgruntled with schools that say we don't we have a policy of not giving feedback or they give feedback that's so bland and generic it's no use at all so help the people who have invested in applying for your school even if they weren't the right match help them for the future i think that's really important
3: That's really powerful. Um, I'm going to ask you all now this last bit, um, and it's sort of going back. Well, we've got two more things to ask, but this is the penultimate. Um, This was keeping on the theme of the interview lessons. This was a tweet from Cordelia who said, interview lessons should be with a current class at your current school. So much of teaching is about routines and how well you know the kids. Building on what you did the previous lesson. A lesson with kids you've never met before says very little about how well you teach. I wondered whether you agree or disagree with this approach. I'll start with Stephen and then we'll go around from there. Stephen, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I really
1: like the thoughts of it. Um, so th- th- this idea does keep going around. Um, I've not actually seen or heard from anyone actually doing it. Um, yeah, you know, no, I, I've
3: never, I... no, I don't know.
1: I, I i'd really love to see if schools actually do that and whether schools would be willing you know I, th- I think sometimes you've obviously got you know you've got the strange thing of you know do you tell your head teacher that you're looking around if you are um at, you know at what point do you tell your head teachers you wait until you've got shortlisted somewhere etc um but yeah you know it it's interesting it would be interesting to know whether teachers head teachers would be inter- uh, willing to let people come in and see the class how that dynamic would work um, but, you know, I, I agree, you know, so much of it is to do with relationships with your current students and actually, you know, doing an interview lesson where you don't know the students. Sometimes the data that you've been given, if you've been given any, is quite sketchy. Um, I've in the past been told to prepare to teach a top set class and be given a nurture group and then told I'd set it too high for them. And, um, you know, it's it, it would be very interesting to see people who've been teaching a class for a long time their routines are in place, et cetera, and just getting a flavor for what they're like on a day-to-day basis, where perhaps there's less stress um, and less pressure than actually just, you know, rocking up and teaching a class that you've never met before. So I've I, thought of it. I think, you know, that there would be the obvious questions of how how would you get it to work? You know, the travel for the um, recruiting school, etc. cetera. You know, I, I think it's highly impractical unless you can find a way of doing it remotely, although that obviously opens its own issues. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like the thought of it. Just it'd be quite hard to deliver, I think. Mm. Kenneth,
3: any any thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it was one of the tweets that I sent out last week with, with with someone, you know, talking about it. And for me, if teaching is what is the bread and butter of what that role is about, then we need to let them teach. But there is a massive amount of unfairness that i don't think we'll we'll ever get around you know we know it's not a typical lesson when we observe candidates um you know but a skilled observer should be able to see the key skills in action the building the relationships like i said earlier Mm -hmm. talking to kids what i think is challenging and we need to think about as you know we go through our recruitment selection process is the question around fairness if there's an internal candidate there are a lot um you know in my experience you know a lot of um, internal candidates for jobs or people doing acting or on short term, fixed term, whatever it happens to be, if they've already got the relationship, then they're going to be better you know when it comes to these kids because even if they've not taught the kids before the kids still know them from being around the school we'll see their face etc I I think there there is scope for seeing the teacher in the best light but one of the biggest things that I was thinking about there as as Stephen was talking was even filming the main part of their lesson you know the first 15-20 minutes and and having a panel look at that but how much would you be putting off candidates from applying when you tell them, yeah. "Well, film twenty minutes," and then there's the issue around if the kid's voice is on it, the, you know, the, the the data protection and all yes. all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I, I do genuinely think as well that some candidates, you know, they they memorise stock responses for interview, so teaching is much mm-hmm. more realistic what they would yeah. do. But at yes. the same time, I've seen excellent lessons, um, you know that. all lessons you know when when i go around and do my observations of my own colleagues they they put on their best show of course they do i put on my best show when my readers you know come in and observe me um but it's about the observer i think it's about picking up those kind of nuanced things about the skills that they have what is genuine and what is a performance or you know or what looks natural and what doesn't i think that's the important thing
3: Yeah. Um, Jill, any sort of further comments on that, on the whole idea of going to another school and uh, going to the person's school and seeing them teach in there?
4: I think in some respects, it's a great idea, but I think the logistics of it are difficult. I've known it happen once. Since I finished headship, I've had I've supported quite a few governing bodies, appointing heads and senior leaders in different schools. And there was one London school where all the shortlisted candidates were local and the governors agreed to go into their schools to watch them teach a lesson in their current school. Um, and I thought it was great in some respects, but obviously normally it's just it's not so easy. I think the thing to remember is that we all have to teach new classes. Every year we teach new classes. If it's a senior school set up, you're teaching quite a number of new classes. So the interview lesson is like watching, if you like, the first lesson you might teach with a new group where you're getting to know them. You're assessing their level. You're establishing yourself. You're building a relationship. I don't think that's a terrible thing to do. And although I think that we do want to reduce no. the fear in interviews, we can't necessarily eliminate the element of stress altogether. If teaching an unfamiliar class is stressful, we need to be able to get over it. <laughs> we still need to be able to, to yeah. perform and do our job. Yeah. So I don't think it's absolutely necessary, but it is an interesting idea.
3: Yeah. Um, Noreen, any sort of final thoughts on that one?
5: i agree with jill that uh, it's interesting uh, if it can be done uh, that would be good um, one thing i'd throw into the mix is that if you've got a candidate um, an external one as well as an internal one does teaching a class in in the school where the job oh, yes. is give a sort of slight advantage to the internal candidate or not so maybe this if you have that situation maybe it might be an idea to try and see if you can go and see the external candidate teaching in their school so you've seen both of them teaching a class or in their own school maybe <laughs> yeah 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 to level it out
3: you mean a bit sort of thing yes yeah yeah no good point um okay final question um for all of you and i'll start this time with noreen actually and then we'll work around from there um if you had to choose one or the other Nori of keeping either the interview lesson that a, that a candidate has to do or the interview itself, so let's imagine that the interview day is only made up of the interview and an interview lesson. Nothing else happens there's no sh- there's no tours, there's no like tasks, there's nothing it's that it's the interview and the interview lesson, and you can only keep one of those two things which one of those would you keep?
5: Um, well, as, as the governor, I'm only involved in um, interviewing um, SLT and heads. And usually uh, a lesson isn't part of the interview process there. But if I were a head and were looking at appointing a teacher, I'd keep the interview because then you can um, sort of dig in more into various aspects um, of of their craft.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, I'll go to Jill. Jill, do, do you agree with Noreen there? You've got to keep one or the other. It's either, um, this is for a teacher interview, middle leader interview, senior, whatever, right? It's, it's it they've, they've got it as a teaching capacity there. Um, it's either you keep the interview lesson or the interview. You have to choose one or the other to keep.
4: I think if it's a teaching post, I would want to see them teach above all else. If it's a leadership role, I'd want to talk to them about about leadership and give them scenarios and give them tasks but it is a bit of a false yeah. situation Tom because you're never going to pare it down to that extent are you? Oh, Jill um, I, never, I never promised you anything with this show when I invited you <laughs> on I, I
3: didn't guarantee it was going to be quality I just said it was a it was an invite
4: so come on carry on. Okay okay no that's it Tom that that would be that would be my answer.
3: Um, Stephen have you got anything on this on a one or the other?
1: Um, yeah. Before I answer, um, I, I was thinking before uh, you know, going back to the original question of what would you add or take away. I, th- I was originally thinking about the question of would you X or Y when both are important. Um, those sort of questions are quite interesting. And <laughs> um, you know, so mm,
3: yes, don't I can see both sides. Show right? yeah, don't slate that. It. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I I I think I you know I agree with Jill. You know, actually, it would be for me it would be the lesson if it's predominantly a teaching role, because um, actually it's important to see what they're like in the classroom, see what their pedagogy's like, see how they get an understanding of whether the students have made progress or not, and what they do about it. Um, for me, the leadership roles it would be more about the interview. Um, I, I did go to an assistant head interview once where they started the day by saying, "You'll see that we've not given you a lesson by this stage. We would expect you to be good teachers." And, you know, I agree with that, but actually, you know, I, I, I do think I'd like to see the lesson from everyone. But yeah, le- le- less than more important for teachers, interview more important for
3: leaders, I think overall. And finally, Kenneth, are you keeping the lesson or the interview?
2: I am going to be really conventional and and agree with uh, with everyone so far. I think absolutely classroom teacher. I, w- I would want to see the lesson. That is the yeah. absolute bread and butter. Um, if it is a middle leadership role or or beyond, you know they they've got their most influence by you know getting other members of staff on board with their vision, their values, and they can actually influence the learning and teaching, especially in middle leadership. You know, I'm doing a I'm doing an EdD. I'm doing a doctorate in middle leadership with a specific look at middle leadership and they are closest to the classroom and closest to be able to influence the learning and teaching um you know heads of department and middle leaders so uh yeah for me the interview itself you know the actual core interview for leadership positions but yeah for me if candidates are coming to teach in a school that i'm working in i want to see them teach fantastic Listen, we're we're just starting to wrap up
3: now. Uh, I want to say a massive thanks to Jill, to Stephen, to Kenneth and to Norian for calling in. Um, It's been a a wonderful conversation about in-school interview days. Um, If you have enjoyed listening, make sure you click follow on Teachers Talk Radio. And of course, um, follow all our guests too um, from this evening. They're all fantastic. So that would be a good idea. Um, And also, if you're listening back to this as a podcast, then obviously click follow and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from. And if you want to leave, you've enjoyed this and you've listened all the way through and you've got this far. Well, first of all, thank you. And second of all, do drop us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to Teachers Talk Radio. We, we appreciate that and thank you. Um, a final shout out to our sponsor tonight, which is John Cat Educational. Um, If you want to find out more about their new releases, you can visit them at johncatbookshop.com and you can use the code JCTTR2324 to get 20% off your order. Uh, We will be back uh, tomorrow with many more shows on TTR. I think Hannah is on tomorrow. Hannah, you can emoji me if that is the case, Uh, but I do believe that Hannah is on at 7.30 tomorrow um, night. So you've got that to look forward to. And many, many more shows uh, all coming up this week and this weekend On TTR. Uh, Keep listening and we will see you very very soon again.
2: You've been listening to Teachers
1: Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org.
2: We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.